I'm Shannon, and this is Workplace Hugs. Workplace Hugs is a podcast where Rami and I talk about interesting things that we've read or heard and how it might relate to the workplace experience. Our goal here is really simple. We want to help all of us expand our workplace toolkit with a whole lot of empathy without a whole new degree. So in the spirit of that, Rami, what do you have for us today? Okay, so obviously I'm obsessed with this book titled When by Daniel Pink. And I think if I was willing to, we could probably do 12 episodes on it because I'm so fascinated, but we're not going to. So last time when we talked about this book by Daniel Pink, we talked about chronotypes and we talked about the type of bird that we are. And that was really focused on how do you maximize your energy throughout the day in terms of when you should plan and when you should do things. And we kind of got to the points where I'm a lark, you are a third bird, kind of like a two hour shift from each other. And then the other version is really that owl. This one is more about the science behind midpoints and the uh-oh effect. Before we get into either of those, I think the thing that we had teased last time was, well, when do you set up a meeting then? When When is the time of day for an important meeting if if there are larks and there are third birds and there are owls, right? Yeah. And I think the advice that that Daniel gives in the book is it's really that time right after lunch. Larks will be in a trough, but the energy from eating lunch will kind of pull them up and give them a little bit more of a boost. Third birds will be hitting peak right into um, the trough at that point, which is, is always a good time for people to be meeting. And then Owls are really warming up at that point. And so they're also getting that post-lunch energy rush. And so everybody's going to be in the best place for important discussions. So when I think about it, my most important meeting that I have every other week is right after lunch. It's at one o'clock. And that is the time when I know that everybody's in the right mindset. Like nobody's too high energy, which I think can be really bad. Yep. And nobody's too low energy, which means you're not going to draw what you need to out of them. Um, everybody's kind of in in a even place and you're going to have a very healthy conversation. Amazing. Okay. So last week in what I have fondly called it, I've dubbed it the bird book. <laughs> we talked about those different types and how we can structure our days. Now we know when to meet with other people. I'm going to meet with other people after lunch. Check. Already doing that. Feel like <laughs> feel like a victory. Uh, and now today, we're going to talk about this book more in terms of like project management or like over time, like not just within a day, but maybe within a bigger period of time. How do we use these concepts to support us? Yes. And the big one here is the idea of a temporal landmark. Um, so... I feel like I have all these like very expensive words, but pretty like <laughs> landmark, I think is a pretty, it's, it's, it's a $1 word. I think temporal maybe is temporal, a little bit more expensive. Yeah. What the heck is a temporal landmark? So it's really a point in time that is an inflection point and a reflection point. And I like the, the contrast between those two. So if you think about the first day of the year, that's a temporal landmark. If you think of the first day of a new job, if you think of the first day of school, all of those are temporal landmarks because you consciously focus on that day and you, yeah. you anchor a lot of uh, energy around that thing. So think beginnings and ends, those are temporal landmarks. Yeah. The idea is that in those spaces and on those times, you are, you are exerting very conscious energy into how you are going to start and how you are going to 
end. Mm-hmm. The most basic way I think about this is as a as a very novice runner. I think I'm okay at moving faster than a walk. But <laughs> when when I think about going for like a medium or a longer distance run, I think about the beginning and I think about the end. And at the beginning, it's how do I set the right pace for myself that I don't go too fast, uh, but also that I don't go too slow and I, I need to then accelerate at the end to, to um, offset that. And then at the end, I think about how do I make sure I'm putting in as much energy as possible, knowing, knowing the very finite amount of time that I have left and what I'm trying to accomplish. Got it. Okay, so temporal landmarks, kind of like running a race and thinking about the start and the finish. How do we bring these into our workplace experience? What are we looking for in the workplace? So the big thing here is at the beginning and the end, you put in a lot of energy and a lot of focus on how you're making decisions and how you're doing things. Yep. The the big thing the book tries to anchor us back to is the idea of midpoints and how important midpoints are if you if you choose to make them temporal landmarks. So this gets into the uh-oh effect. The uh-oh effect. Uh-oh. Okay, I'm excited already. Which is like, oh, we had this project, we got to halfway through, and hey, where are we at? Like, uh-oh, we haven't done anything. Like, we need to figure out how to make this thing happen. I don't know what you're talking about, Rami. That's never happened to me. <laughs> ever all of my projects go off swimmingly and i'm pretty sure all of our listeners do too said no one ever so yeah what the hell is the oh effect because i think we can all relate to that right so it's that idea that you like start a project everybody kind of aligns and says yep this sounds good all right we've got three months let's do this thing or we've got six months let's do this thing and then everybody kind of forgets about it and then you regroup at some point to say okay just checking in on everybody where we at everybody goes well uh uh-oh I forgot to do any of my things. So now we like really need to work together and, and, and then start to make progress so that we can still deliver on this thing that we wanted to deliver on in this time frame. Yeah. Yep. This is resonating. So the, the research around this is really interesting. The idea is with these temporal landmarks, you're more willing to go slow to make decisions because it is an important date for you in some way, right? Beginning mm-hmm. and now we're talking about midpoints. And so it's how do you put emphasis on that and actually plan to do that um, to kind of shift that that slump into a spark? Ooh. So we want... So the temporal landmarks that we typically anchor to are the start and the finish. And this book is saying like, mm-hmm. but, but wait a second here. Let's pay attention to the uh-oh effect and maybe not just like wait for the uh-oh, but actually like proactively plan to create another exactly. temporal landmark in the middle. Exactly. Which okay. which can be an uh-oh timing. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's more that like you're going to get together and you're going to say, okay, this is the time we have left. If it's an uh-oh, great. Like, we all know that we need to fix this thing. If it's not, there's there's energy to then fix and, and move forward. So the advice they give in the book is the best hope for turning a slump into a spark is three steps. So the first one is be aware of the midpoints. So don't let it be invisible and actually plan a meeting for it, right? Mm-hmm. If you proactively plan for that that meeting, and I think this is, this is where I want to poke this off of you, Shannon. If I were to say, Shannon, you and I have this project. It's going to take us six months. Uh, we're going to yep. meet. We're going to talk about it. And 
right now, I'm going to say in three months, you and I are going to meet again. I'm going to put that on your calendar. Does that help you as you get closer into that date, think about it to prevent the uh uh-oh? Or are you going to get to that date and then have the uh uh-oh? I mean, I could see it going either way for me personally. Yeah, I could see it going either way. There could be the uh-oh moment of like, oh, crap, I didn't do anything. Like, candidly, Robbie, I think about this pro- this podcast as a project. And sometimes yeah. we have those uh-oh moments where we're like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. shoot, we need to write the the outline for the next season. <laughs> yep. And we get it there. We figure it out. And then I can think of times where having that midpoint check-in already planned and scheduled helps me better manage my time to not have the uh-oh. <laughs> So that's where I say, like, I think preemptively planning it is really important. But having a focus on making that a temporal landmark is is the important piece here. Yeah. Whether you remember to do something ahead of it or not, right? The uh-oh moment is beautiful in that it, like, it lights that spark. Yeah. The second piece is to use that midpoint to wake up rather than to roll over, right? To say, <laughs> oh, shoot, we're halfway through. We need to we need to take advantage of this and really work forward. The the third is to imagine that you're slightly behind schedule, which is going to spark your motivation. But it can only be slightly. It can only be a little bit. Yeah. And the research here is really interesting. So they did a study on basketball games and teams that were behind by just one point at halftime were more likely to win. And if they were a home team, they actually had a 58% chance of winning if they were down by one point at halftime. Uh-huh. And so there's something about that that minor, minor behindness, which is all grammatically incorrect. Just being behind slightly gives you a little bit more fire. It puts that chip on your shoulder, right? The, the example I have for you, Shannon, is if it was you versus another person and you couldn't see that person until the midpoint and you were just a hair behind them, like you are going to put in I assume much more effort at that point, knowing that you can you can close that gap and, and pass them. Oh yeah. Rather than if you had no idea where they were, if they oh, were for sure un un- uncatchable at that point. I go back to the metaphor that you used earlier about like running a race, you know. And I would like target the lady in the pink shirt, and I would know mm-hmm. like okay, if I'm if I can still see the lady in the pink shirt, like I'm okay, I'm okay. And then at the very end of the race. I would try to beat the lady in the pink shirt. <laughs> exactly. But if like there's the woman in the orange shirt that like flew by me five miles ago, oops, yeah, no, I feel overwhelmed. And I'm like, well, there's no way I can catch up to the lady in the orange shirt, but I'm going to stay on the lady in the pink shirt. Gosh darn it. Exactly. That pink shirt lady. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think the big thing here is like, how do you how do you plan for that midpoint? How do you make it a temporal landmark in the same way that you focus so much energy on the beginnings and ends? How do you focus that same amount of energy at the middle and use that as the spark to kind of make sure that you deliver and over deliver on whatever it is that you're trying to achieve in that in that time frame? Yeah, I'm really liking this. And I'm thinking too about like, how do we make sure that there's still enough time left after the middle that you could still mm-hmm. get it all done if it is an oh moment, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Sure and I think that that's why it's like, like that f- midpoint. Yeah, I love this. I think really tactically, what I would say is focus on those temporal landmarks, make those something that you anchor yourself to plan on doing them, whether it's a project for yourself, whether it's a big project with a lot of people, like take the effort to make sure that you focus on that and you put in the same energy to think slow around that same point as you do at the beginning at the end, right? Because if you think about decision making, 
when you are at an inflection point, at a temporal landmark, you are going to slow down and think and then run, right? Like you're going to be naturally more strategic. Between those points, you're going to intrinsically just make decisions. And it's going to be much more fluid because nothing is forcing you to step back and say, okay, let me think about this. Mm -hmm. But those temporal landmarks kind of force you to do that. Another tactic here is if you're in a slump in the middle of the project and you're just like, I cannot for the life of me, like, I know this is the middle. I just, I'm not feeling a spark on how to continue here. Uh, a piece of advice is to picture one person who will benefit from your efforts and you dedicate your work to that person and that'll deepen your dedication to the task. That is so motivating for me personally. And what a beautiful tie in to the, to like empathy, you know? So who can you find that you really feel a great deal of empathy for? Like what is the why behind this project or this work that you're doing and how can you get back in touch with that empathy point? Mm -hmm. Mm, That really trips my trigger. Yep. I'm thinking about a project right now that I'm putting off. I'm like, yeah, let me anchor back to who the heck I'm trying to impact by doing this. That's great. So the example he gives on that one in the book, I think is really beautiful. So I just want to bring it up is the idea of the dabble wallas. The dabble wallas? Yeah. So they deliver meals in India. Oh. And they have a failure rate of less than one in 16 million. Oh, my gosh. So the idea is, the way that this works is, Shannon, you are the provider for your house. You wake up early, you go to work. Your husband, your partner wakes up and then makes you your meal. But you've already left because you had to get on the train to do whatever. So this this company, the Dabba Walls, they show up, they pick up the meal from your spouse. They see their face and they go i made this meal specifically for shannon shannon needs this meal to get through the day yeah and then they're doing this for hundreds of people they're then taking that same meal getting on that same train and delivering it to you shannon they see shannon i saw your partner nate make this meal for you and i'm delivering it to you oh man that just like hits me right in the heart and so when you think about it right like there's a lot of there's a deepness there's a a it transcends just them trying to deliver on their job it's not the same thing as like i ordered a pizza and they're going to deliver the pizza right there's no beginning and end but because they see the person's face who's making it and they see the person's face who's consuming it like there's so much there's so much more deepness to that mm-hmm. that the failure rate is one in 16 million that's like that's insane. insane yeah that's out of this world wow and so so it's like, how do you put that passion around whatever it is that you're working on to make sure, put a face to it, put a, put a, put a name and a face to it and, and focus on those people and, and use that as the, the spark to get you through that, that midpoint. Man, I want to like go look at my to-do list right now and seriously like write out, who is this for? Like, who is this going to impact to support myself and getting some of those things across the line that I am just, I'm coming up on the uh-oh effect <laughs> Yeah. just don't want to have been putting them off. I actually read about another study where they said that when radiologists reviewed scans, if they gave them a picture of the person and their name, they were much more likely to spend more time writing the notes, find things and other things. So it's like, how do you how do you focus on on people and in the actual impact of what it is that you're doing rather yeah. than just thinking of it in the macro level? Yes. 
Okay, that's the first piece. The second piece is a piece of advice from Ernest Hemingway, which is, so he wrote 15 books during his lifetime. His favorite productivity technique was to end his writing session, not at the end of a section, a paragraph, but right in the middle of a sentence. Oh my gosh, that's wild. With the idea that the sense of incompletion became a midpoint spark that helped him begin the following day with immediate momentum. So it's called the Zegranik effect. And it what it really means is that our tendency to remember unfinished tasks is better than finished tasks. Whoa, this is putting me on edge already. Like I am uncomfortable <laughs> even thinking about implementing this in my work. So it's funny because I was like, I don't know. So I had this thing that I do a lot and it's three parts. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm just going to do the first part because normally I do all three and I just get the task done. And it like is grading in my mind. Like I can't stop thinking about it, which isn't necessarily a good thing, but isn't a bad thing. But thinking about it to the point where it was like, okay, now I can be more efficient because I actually am taking time to think about it. And now I know how to attack it better when I go back into it Mm. yeah i'm holding my breath a little bit on that one but i'll think about it i'll try it on for size and i think maybe in like if it's if it's a writing piece then i think that works really well because you're like okay cool let me stop in the middle and think about where that could go because it has a infinite possibilities at that point yeah there's a creative element to it exactly i think in other pieces whether it's a project or other things there's probably more frustration when you stop in the middle But the idea that unfinished tasks are easier to remember than finished tasks, I think is something to keep in mind here. Mm -hmm. And right now in this moment, I'm thinking about all my unfinished tasks. (laughs) Because you can remember them better, right? It's true. It's true. And I unknowingly, I guess, used this concept yesterday and I left an email half finished. And you better believe it's like, uh, yeah, it's on my mind this morning. Got to finish that email. It's the Zgrinic effect. Zgrinic effect. All right. Those are my pieces of advice, those three. So if so plan on the temporal landmarks. Okay. If you're stuck, focus on the person, make it more empathic. Really think about the who who it is that you're doing that thing for. Yep. And then the Zegernick effect of maybe stopping midway, stopping in the middle of a sentence and, and let that linger so that when you get back to it, you have a renewed energy around it. And I think it works only if you're in a slump. Otherwise you're gonna go actually insane but i think if you're in a slump and you're working on something you just can't crack it stop midway through it and give yourself some time to think about how to how to overcome that i love those those are all like literally so practical and tangible and things that i know i could go and do and probably will go and do (laughs) particularly the empathy one really got to me okay so we would love to hear what you guys think Tell us, reach out to us on Instagram at Workplace Hugs. Let us know if you try on these crazy things, such as leaving a sentence half unwritten and what it produces within you. If you go and book some temporal landmarks in your calendar, we want to hear from you at Workplace Hugs on Instagram. With that, I've been Shannon. And I've been Rami. And this has been Workplace Hugs. <laughs>